what to make of Simeon Woods Richardson in his debut in Detroit. Coming up on today's episode of Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins podcast. It's Sunday night, October 2nd, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thanks for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every day on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Again, this is Nash Walker. I've been writing at Twins Daily for three, four seasons, but hosting this podcast for three seasons on a daily basis covering the Minnesota Twins. What to make of Simeon Woods Richardson in his Major League debut, the good, the bad, the future with Simeon. We previewed this. Friday, he's making his debut. Sunday, previewed what you would what you would see from him, and it was a mixed, varied pitch mix of you know a four seamer, slider, curve, changed some interesting things today. Stack has made some adjustments. Stack has made some adjustments from earlier today. We'll break that down, and then is it what I expected? And most importantly, where does he fit in for twenty twenty three? Can today's start tell us anything about that? Usually not. Usually one start's not going to tell you that. But I think with him, the most impressive thing to me about him is that he's 22 years old. Like, I think it's not even if he was, you know, if he was not, if he had nothing, I wouldn't say, oh, he's 22 years old. But for what he has now at 22 years old, that's what's impressive. That's what's exciting to me, that he's had so much success at the upper minors as a 22-year-old. And he already has the stuff, you know, he doesn't have the mid nineties fastball, but I do think that the twins have had success with Bailey over, you know, a little bit with Joe Ryan with Griffin Jacks of getting some more velocity out of these guys. I think that could be possible for Simeon Woods Richardson. And the fact that he's only 22 makes me believe that further, but we'll start with the velocity today on the fastball, because I was expecting more 92, 93, he averaged 91 with the fastball today. He maxed out at 93. Uh, minimum was was 89. So he had a couple 89. Stack has kept calling his four-seamer a cutter, but they switched it all back to four-seamer. So he threw 54 seam fastballs. 55% of his pitches were fastballs. It's amusing to me how similar all these guys are to each other, right? This like the the 55 60% fastball in the upper tier of the zone Woods Richardson was just hammering the upper third of the zone with his fastball today over the top can tell there's some deception in his delivery it gets on you quick much like Bailey Ober much like Joe Ryan so similar to those guys similar velo similar location you know even similar characteristics in some ways that stayed the same today with Woods Richardson he had 50 fastballs uh, you got four swings and misses overall on the day had 10. The slider came in second for most thrown uh, at 17. He threw that 19% of the time and that big looping curveball. I said it with Brandon Warren today on the postcast, but that mix, the high fastball with the 12, six curveball that has proven to work for a lot of young starters. Tristan McKenzie comes to mind in Cleveland working. We know you get a lot of swings and misses with the fastball up the higher spin fastball up. And then you work off the curveball at the bottom of the zone or slider, whatever your best off-speed pitch is. And for Tristan McKenzie, very similar mix, right? Four-seamer, slider, curve. A lot of guys have that mix. But he's someone that I think of who kind of, as a young starter, 
really found out how to how to master that mix already in his young career. The fastballs up, the four seamers, and the curveball, the big 12-6 nasty curveball down in the zone. You got hitters guessing, and then you'll flip in a slider against righties as well. And Simi throws a uh, a changeup as well. So he flips that in against lefties. I thought he looked good today. And, and looking at his mix, I think there is, and I said this on Friday, I think there's a, a mid to back of the rotation starter within Simeon Woods Richardson. I believe that wholeheartedly. I think he could become a mid rotation starter. I don't think he's going to gain a bunch of ticks in velocity. You know, you're looking at 91, 92 with the fastball, and you're probably looking at a Bailey Ober type of starter with Simeon Woods Richardson, but that's valuable. And this is what I really wanted to stress last time. That's valuable because then you don't have to go pay for that in free agency. You have him under team control at the league minimum. You have Bailey Ober under team control at the league minimum. Joe Ryan under team control at the league minimum. They're not going to blow anyone's doors off in game one of a playoff series, but you don't have to go out and sign Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer because you have all these young guys who are ready to go, who look like they're they're prepared to pitch in the majors. And that's that's important here. When we watch Simeon, it's one start against uh, the worst lineup in baseball, basically. I mean, I, I think they're the worst still. Maybe the A's are worse now, but this is one of the worst lineups in baseball in his major league debut. It's one start on a Sunday in a meaningless game in early October, but I liked what I saw. Overall, I liked what I saw from Woods Richardson. Uh, got into some trouble, you know, some errors behind him in that first inning, and he worked his way through it. I love to see that as well. Some of these starters, that's something you don't really know when you watch these guys in the minors or you follow them in the minors, you hear scouting reports. You don't know how they're going to handle adversity in the majors we've seen different guys handle it differently in the big leagues and I think for Woods Richardson today that might have been a good example of how he's going to handle it he had a rough first inning I didn't think he was going to make it out of the first I thought oh man they're going to have to they're going to have to get this bullpen going because he's not going to get out he had 28 pitches and I think still had only one out in the inning but he worked through it he got through it then he got through five and that was the only damage Eric Haas had a home run but two earned runs for Woods Richardson in his first five uh, big league innings that's that's impressive. I thought the Tigers looked like they were on their heels, and a lot of pitchers have made them look like they're on their heels this year. <laughs> That's definitely been true for Detroit. But they look like they were on their heels, and I think a big part of that is that curveball, his ability to command his off-speed stuff, and it just sets up his fastball so much better. More on Woods Richardson, what else I really like today and where he fits in in 2023, and then we'll look ahead to the final series of the year after this word from Built Bar, if you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. And guess what? There's a new flavor. Ready? Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. That's right. Built has done it again. Let me introduce you to your new favorite. Cookie dough chunk puffs have a light and chewy texture, real cookie dough chunks, and of course, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. All of the joys of eating cookie dough without the hassle of making it, plus it's healthy for you. What's great about Built is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. Eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough junk puff, whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or just need to grab a quick bite. Built is the perfect protein bar. Go to Built.com. Use promo code LOCKEDON15. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-1-5 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. 
Where does Woods Richardson fit in the 2023 picture? I was thinking about this again today, and we'll go over it in more depth in the offseason. When I think about 2023 and the rotation, they should be really deep. They should be. And that will require them going out and getting someone who's better than Sonny Gray. That's kind of the key. Do they go and acquire a pitcher that's better than Sonny Gray? In recent seasons, you know, going into the 2021 season when they were extremely disappointing, of course, it was, do they get a pitcher that's better than Michael Pineda? They didn't. They got Jay Happ and Matt Shoemaker. Still went into that season with an over-under win total at 89, 90, 91, depending on the site. Still supposed to be, you know, the favorite along with the White Sox in the American League Central. That was so far from the case. They did not acquire a pitcher better than Michael Pineda. Coming into this year in the offseason, we said they need to acquire at least two pitchers who are better than Joe Ryan. They only got one, and then at the deadline, they got Tyler Malley. So it's like one and a half, and they barely got anything out of Malley. But now they have both of them, hopefully, for 2023 in Malley's case. Uh, sounds like it'll be a normal offseason for Tyler Malley. So that's that's encouraging, at least, that it's going to be a normal offseason for him. I don't feel good about his shoulder, but it's going to be a normal offseason, it sounds like. This offseason, it is... Do we get a pitcher who's better than Gray? I I personally, it's hard to believe for Twins fans because of what we saw from Tyler Malley. But remember how good he was in Anaheim in a start. I was at that game. He was great. I personally view Malley and Gray as one of the same. I think they're they're on very similar levels. And I think especially so when you take Malley out of Great American Ballpark. The ERA is not going to tell you that. But because his numbers are so different home and away, what we saw early on was pretty you know, encouraging outside of the the shoulder problems. I view him and Sonny, if both are healthy, as pretty much my confidence level is the same with both of them. And I think Mally at 27 or 28 has some real upside. I, I said that at the time of the trade. I'll say it again now. I think he has some real upside as a, a true front frontline rotation starter. So I I think they need to go out and get one guy who's better than Sonny Gray and Tyler Mally. And that's hard to do because Sonny's pretty good. You know, Sonny's pretty good. Mally's pretty good when he's healthy. You're going to have to get a true, a true frontline starter, a true number one. I'm not saying ace doesn't need to be an ace. That would be amazing. But a true number one starter. And, you know, the aces of the world, my list is probably a little bit shorter than your list might be. My aces are DeGrom. You know, Garrett Cole in a good season is an ace. He had a rough season. It changes on a year-to-year basis. Corbin Burns is an ace. You know, there's a bunch of guys. Sandy Alcantara, six. My list is probably six to eight. So there's not a bunch of guys on my list. I apologize. Six to eight aces, I view. And then right after that, you have like your number one starters. That's like Aaron Nola, you know, Robbie Ray. You won the Cy Young last year, had a rougher year this year. But Logan Gilbert in Seattle is a number one. So just thinking through that, like those are some, those are examples of number one starters. Uh. Shane Bieber is a number one starter. I don't view Shane Bieber as an ace anymore. I view him as a very good, you know, number one starter. That's who the twins need to acquire. Not going to be easy. You know, it's not going to be easy to acquire someone like Shane Bieber, but they need to get somebody on that level who's better than Sonny Gray and Tyler Malley. And if they're able to do that, not only do they add their best pitcher, they also push everybody down a peg. And for Woods Richardson, for Winder, for Varlin, they become depth starters. Because then you go into 2023, guys are going to get hurt. So things are going to happen. Somebody's going to be thrust into a role. But if you go out and get that frontline starter, you have him. You have Sonny Gray. That's two. Tyler Malley is three. Joe Ryan is four. And then five is a Bailey Ober. Six is Kenta Maeda. Seven is Josh Winder. Eight is Woods Richardson. Nine is Louis Varlin. 
bullpen is Devin Smelt. Like you got you got more rotation options than you could possibly have room for. And that's where they need to be because all these guys have options. I want the Saints rotation next year. It's not going to be this. But I want the Saints rotation to be Winder, Woods Richardson, Varland, Balazovic. Out of the, like those four, and then maybe you have like Derek Rodriguez or something, or somebody comes up, you know. That that's who I want it to be. I want those four like ready to go. And whoever's pitching really well when the twins need somebody, they come up. Kenta Maeda is your sixth swing starter. Kind of your he maybe comes out of the bullpen to start the year. He covers some innings. He piggybacks with somebody. That's what I want to see. And that rotation would be solid because they'd have, you know, a really solid top three with the frontline guy that they go get hypothetically gray and Mally. They'd have Joe Ryan as a four, which I think is a great spot for him in a competitive rotation. Your fourth best starter. They have, you know, Bailey Ober, Kenta Maeda solid. You know, I don't know what you're going to get from Kenta and Ober has health problems, but that's why you have the depth in Woods Richardson and Winder and Varlin and others coming up. That's why you have that, right? That's that's why you would build that depth and why you went out and got Mally, why you went out and got the frontline starter was not only for them to impact the rotation themselves, but it pushes everybody down. And I think that's the spot for Woods Richardson in 2023. He's going to be somebody who has a real opportunity whenever the Twins need somebody, and they will. They're going to need guys. I can't remember how many different starters pitched a game this year. It was something crazy. It was like 15. They had like 80 pitchers <laughs> up here this year at the big league level, they're going to need him, And he's, he's somebody who I feel I will feel good about coming up to make spot starts. And it's not just that it's that he has a future on the team for next year. He'll be, he'll be a call up probably making spot starts or he'll fill in for injury. And then you give him that opportunity. If he pitches well, you know, Tyler Malley's a free agent, Sonny Gray's a free agent, and then he can step into a rotation spot after 2023. It's this perfect little segue for all these young starters, it's going to require a lot more health than this year. Because if you just thrust them all into everyday roles next year, it's going to be a really young and probably ripe rotation. If they stay relatively healthy and they have the hypothetical frontline starter we, we dream about every offseason, then they have Gray and Mally, and you have kind of this revolving door where you give Ober some time off to try because he doesn't have any innings under his belt. You know, Kent is going to need to be monitored. Joe Ryan is your four. You have this revolving door of guys who can get their feet wet, get starts, piggyback, put them in good positions, and then they'll hopefully be ready to go in 2023 when Gray and Malley are free agents. And the Twins will have to go out and, and get more guys, I'm sure, after 2023. But the, the spot you want to be in going into 2024 is we have these young starters who are now more experienced. They got experience in 2022. They were experienced in 2023. They performed well, and they're ready to go for the rotation in 2024. And it's not going to be all of them, but you hope it is. You know, Winder, Varland, Woods Richardson, Ryan, Ober, all those guys are options for 2024 in your legitimate competitive rotation. It's too early to say that that could be the case in 2023 because we haven't seen enough of them. But that's the hope, that they get enough work, they get enough progression, they get enough development in 2023 that they're ready to go full on in the rotation in 2024. That will require the Twins to go out and get a true number one starter. All that is kind of out the window if they don't, because then everybody's pushed back up. Everybody's back up. If you go out and get another depth starter, I don't know what the point of, of it is if there's no upside there. 
Like where, where, if there's not an upside starter you're acquiring, why do you need to go get a Bundy or an Archer or a Shoemaker or a Hap? They don't need them. They don't need those guys anymore. They don't need innings in 2023. They have guys who can fill innings. They need a true number one starter. Yes, who can eat innings. That's important is for your number one starter. You assume they will because they're a number one starter. You know, 170, 180 innings from your number one, your best pitcher. That's what they need. It's so clear. It's never been clear. And that's crazy to say because the Twins have needed one since Johan Santana. But it's it's so clear. That's what they need. And that's what these young starters need. That's what, you know, Sonny Gray and Tyler Malley will benefit from that as well. Push down a peg. Everybody is in the spot they should be. And that's that's how the rotation could potentially be good next year. But that's they're going to have to break their mold, this front office specifically I'm speaking on, of not investing in pitchers they don't invest in frontline starters they haven't done it once since they've uh they've been at the helm they're gonna have to change that you know they did trade for gray they did trade for Mally. so i should say you know they've they've turned more away from this staunch process which i've asked for for it feels like years we don't invest in bullpen arms we don't invest in frontline starters it feels like they have shot away from that and they're starting to do so by trading for Lopez and as I mentioned trading for Mally and Gray they're willing to invest in those guys but have they done it in free agency no they haven't done it in free agency we'll see if they finally do this offseason it'll be uh one of the main talking points because it's such an obvious need it's it's an obvious need they need a number one starter to kind of just curtail this rotation and get it going twins are going to Chicago I'm going to Chicago tomorrow Monday morning I'll be at the game Monday night. It's a three-game series to finish off this season. Unfortunately, the Twins couldn't beat the Tigers today, so I think they have to sweep to finish in second place over the White Sox for whatever that mattered to you. It did. I wanted to finish in second place. I wanted the Twins to finish in second and beat out the White Sox, but they'll have to sweep in order to do that because they couldn't win two out of three against the Detroit Tigers, and that's kind of been um that's been the case here in the second half. Unfortunately, they haven't been able to do that. They haven't been able to win a lot of games, and it's it's coming to an end. So this is the final series, and I want to also give you a little bit of a preview of what to expect moving forward from me as you listen to the podcast. We'll have post games Tuesday night and Wednesday after the, the final game of the year. We'll have a post game, of course, to finish everything off, and then we're going to start and we're going to ask questions about everybody on the roster. <laughs> we're going to start asking questions about where guys fit. Do they have a future on the roster? You know, what do they, what would you get in trade? Who's available? All those things will come up and then we'll get into our full offseason coverage, the holes, the needs, the free agents, the trade targets for the twins and what's coming up in the offseason. What do they need? You know, what, what do I expect from this team? And that was something we had fun doing in the lockout last year during the lockout I used some analogies. I thought about it was such an interesting time because they were clearly not anywhere close to being a contender. And it turns out they're going to be a below 500 team again. This is their, they've had back to back losing seasons the first time since 2013, 2014. But at that time, I was just trying to search for ways for this team to get better. And I believed wholeheartedly that they could get good enough to make the playoffs and to win the Central. At the time, I thought the Sox would run, run away with it. So more make the playoffs. It didn't happen, unfortunately. They didn't do enough. And, you know, the things that they did do, some of them didn't work out. Guys got hurt. It didn't happen. But I, again, believe, I already know, going into this offseason, I believe that with the right moves and with a good offseason, they can get back there. They can get back there. But it's it's going to require work. It's going to require creativity. 
and it's going to require uh, committing to winning, as we say, committing to winning. Thanks for making Lockdown Twins your first listen today, and I'll make your second listen, the Lockdown MLB podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team in the biggest stories around the league on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Lockdown MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. We'll talk Tuesday night. Go Twins.